Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane. Icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to our final episode of Chasing Frets this week. My name is Jason Shadrick, and I'm here with Andy Ellis. How are you doing? I am doing well on this nice, sunny Nashville day. Yeah, and so we're wrapping up our week with Sierra Hall and focusing on kind of the art of uh, collaboration and how she approaches it and some of the stories behind uh, behind her collaboration and kind of one of the higher profile profile. One of the higher profile collaborations she's done recently is on Sturgill Simpson's new bluegrass record. Yeah, and we get to hear from Sierra how collaboration can enrich music and also how in some ways the opposite could be true. Yeah. And she explains how that happens too. And it's it's a real insight into how she kind of balances Sierra the artist versus Sierra the session musician and, and mm-hmm. how she works that out. So enjoy this final episode. You can reach us at chasing frets at premierguitar.com. And here's our, here's our final episode with Sierra Hall. One of the things that is apparent to me in your music is your sense of collaboration with people. Uh, And I think maybe that stems from your earliest childhood musical experiences where you came out of the bluegrass tradition as we talked about earlier this week in our first episode and people collaborate and open up the ranks to let you in. But... um, I know that Bela Fleck produced your previous record, and Shonda, Shana, Shani Gandhi, did I get her name right? Co-produced Shani That's right. Gandhi? Yeah, Shani Gandhi. Co-produced, you and Shani uh-huh. co-produced the most recent one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing in that Sparking that rubbing of humans, you know, so whether it's in a band or whether you're in the studio, it's not just one person getting her own way or his own way. You you have this dynamic. And and I somehow I get that, I hear that underneath in your music. Can you elaborate a little about what collaboration means to you? Yeah, I've always loved like part of um part of what 
like I said in, in the previous uh, segment, I mentioned like the community, you know, and that sort of everybody sitting in a circle and, and that togetherness of just learning from one another, teaching each other tunes. And, and um, I think so much growth comes from that, you know, and, and the idea of um, playing in a, a band, you know, that was always uh, kind of how I spent most of my early musical time was, was always playing with several other musicians or, or playing with my dad. Um, rarely, rarely would I have ever played solo. I mean, next to never. And so you mentioned Bela, like that whole experience um, was me really in some ways trying to peel back those layers and, and sort of go, well, what happens if, you know, I make a record that's entirely mm -hmm. like bare bones Sierra, what does that sound like? You know? And, and if I'm not really surrounding myself by um, not to say boxes in terms of genre, but sometimes just surrounding yourself by the yourself with the instrumentation of the bluegrass ensemble mm -hmm. kind right. of deems it such, right. you know, a little bit, even if it's progressive or traditional or whatever, those instruments kind of, they have a thing they do so well together. And so this was kind of even like pulling back all that stuff and going, okay, what happens if I take these songs I've written and I'd written many of them on guitar, honestly. And I actually had recorded like That's five, six before songs. Bela, um, before Bela stepped in. Yeah. yeah. With, with Before that. Yeah. With a full band that I produced myself. Um, and I actually just pulled those tracks up the other day and mm -hmm. thought, you know, I still like these. They're, they're really well recorded and the other players play uh, beautifully on them. But I sort of kind of took a step back and, and just had to get away from it for a little bit and decided I wanted to take on a producer. And at that point, when I started working with Bela, I played him one of the songs and he was just like, you know, he was like, all this other stuff is really great. But he said, there's something so unique about just getting mm -hmm. to hear from you this way that I feel like people haven't gotten to hear from you like this. He said, people make their, you know, singer songwriter guitar albums, but you hardly ever hear it like more Mandel. of a singer songwriter mandolin, you know, where also playing is sort of mm -hmm. at the forefront of it as well. And he, he kept going back to the Tony mm -hmm. Rice album, church street blues, which is like one of my all time favorite albums since I was a kid and still. And, um, and so he was like, I can just imagine you doing something more in that vein, but mm -hmm. the way you would do it, you know? And, and so he was really the first person to encourage me to like, almost like step out of that, um, um, you know, I wouldn't say to step out of the collaboration process, but to just like, come in my own solitude for a little bit and, and work on my music thinking about what it would sound like if, if there were no other instruments. And so I went from that experience, which really I think helped me grow a lot as a musician. It was kind of intimidating because I mean, gosh, I remember the first time he asked me if I would just play one of the songs for him solo that I had also written on guitar. Um, it's a song called mm, compass. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, there's like, I, sort of went, well, I guess this is kind of how I would do this if I were going to play it on Madeline or whatever. And it's just like the most intimidating thing, you know, in the world to sit here in Bela's living room, just like playing solo for him or whatever. Um, but, but so to have somebody like him go, that is cool. That's interesting. Um, really was inspiring to me because I was like, wow, 
okay, well, if Bela thinks this is interesting, like he's somebody that I trust and respect and, you know, maybe I should hear what he's saying here and try to like explore this further. And, uh, and that was exciting. But with this last record, I wanted to kind of take that spirit of making sure, like one of the things he pointed out to me about these earlier tracks. And like I said, I just pulled one up like literally a few days ago for the first time in several years of really hearing them. And, uh, and, and I still was like, yeah, I still like these. I still think they're kind of cool, but, uh, but is that the collaborative spirit kind of almost, I love hearing other people play so much that in the process of trying to like create my own record or thing, I was almost like not leaving very much room for myself because I wanted to hear everyone else, you know? And so with this last record, there was sort of trying to, to, um, take take what I had learned from from Bela and working on Weighted Mind and making sure that I had enough of myself there to, to sort of mm-hmm. be present um, within the songs, but also introduce back in all the collaborative spirit of, of these musicians I love. And, and so trying to kind of, you know, bridge the gap between those two things a little bit. And as far as just like, that's sort of the approach as far as collaborating on those albums you mentioned, but as far as just collaborating at large, I feel like I'm in a place right now um, where even this year uh, collaborating has been one of the things I've loved doing more, more than anything, even if it's remote, you know, Um, like, uh, you know, Jason mentioned um, he works with Corey Wong as well, like playing on Corey's record and we've still not met in person. (laughs) You know, but it's like, it's, there's this amazing thing that we can kind of share music that way and, and work together. And, you know, now I feel like Corey's somebody I kind of know and would totally hang out with and, and play music with in the future yeah. when we can. And, and, uh, and I love that. So that, that um, collaborative thing is something that I feel like is sort of at the top of my list right now of, of things I'm excited about and things that I want to do more of in playing with other people and, and not just with my music, but, you know, other people's music. I think it's really fun to kind of step outside of your own world a lot of times because I always learn something new every time I get to, you know, kind of step inside somebody else's world for a little bit. I love hearing the stories behind all these collaborations, like you mentioned, Corey. But as we sit here, Sierra, today, you play <laughs> mandolin on the number one album in the country right now. Oh, I <laughs> And that's the new Sturgill Simpson record. So tell me, I know he's 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 super funny on social media with how this album came about and how his fans kind of not duped him, but kind of really prodded him into into making this record. But from your side of things as a musician on the album, how did that collaboration come together? So I I met Sturgill very. Well, I guess truth is that we both played a festival called the High Sierra Music Festival in California many years ago. This was really before he was like completely, you know, um, taken over the world, you know. And uh, but I remember like some of the guys in my band at the time, we were we watched their set because they played like right after we did. And we were like, man, this is really cool. They're great. Um, But we didn't know each other then. um, But he played the Opry a couple years ago here in Nashville, the Grand Ole Opry, um, and put a band together just to come play, you know, a couple songs on the Opry with him. Um, So I got called to do that. And I don't remember, maybe there's a guy named David Ferguson, who is actually the producer and engineer of this record um, that, that I guess 
must have been the person to say, oh, you should get Sierra. You know, I kind of know him through um, just the music scene here in Nashville and um, Del McCurry and his band and, and they work, do a lot of their records with him. Um, but anyway, I went and played the Opry with him, um, did a handful of songs there. And that was just kind of like a, you know, one-off kind of thing. And then um, there was talk after we did the Opry, even back then, like two years ago, that he just had so much fun getting to play uh, bluegrass that he would love to do a record at some point. And so they're like, yeah, we'll call you when we do this record. And so I was like, cool, you know, but obviously that kind of got talked about a little bit, but sort of pushed down the line. And then, yeah, Sturgill had been off of social media and then basically started an Instagram at the beginning of the year when he was on doing this arena tour, like a rock and roll band tour. And of course all that got shut down with the pandemic and he actually wound up getting coronavirus or I guess actually had it when he was on tour and didn't realize what was going on. You know, this was before we knew anything about it and, uh, and found himself like, you know, recovering from that and just kind of bored and being silly and putting up some like, you know, fictitious posts about this survival school, <laughs> pretending as though he was like, hosting this survival school and like you can send in your auditions and he was going to teach all the survival skills and it was just meant to be funny but people people were like so into it and they said if you put that on a t-shirt I'll buy it and so he thought well okay and here he was just recovering from coronavirus and this pandemic that was hitting so he thought well maybe I can make a bunch of t-shirts and do a fundraiser to help raise money for you know people in need with, with coronavirus right now and so he put this on a t-shirt and like, you know, sold like 30,000 of them and had these goals that he told his fans that within this period, if you'll do this, you know, if you'll do this much, I'll do a live stream. And so they hit that goal. And then he set another goal and he said, if you guys will hit this goal and help raise this amount of money, then I'll make a record this year too. And so they did, his fans were just unbelievable and they, they bought these shirts and helped raise all this money for charity. And so he was, you know, we did a live stream to no audience at the Ryman um, a few months back and uh, he wanted to make a record. So we did. And this, so, so I guess the bluegrass record he had kind of had in mind to do for a long time anyway, seemed yeah. to be like, it, it seemed to be like the perfect opportunity to do this. And um, you know, he was out of his contract with his, the, uh, with the record label and just kind of independent right now. So he thought, why not do this kind of passion project? And so <laughs> we went in the studio for six days, um, like three days and then another three days later and uh, cut 20 songs in six days and all just pretty much live, like just live band and session and and it was just a blast it was really fun and it seems like his fans are extremely excited about it so, so when you go into the studio like that uh what kind of creative liberties does somebody like sturgill and, and that that group give you when you're because you're coming in not as sierra hole the artist you're coming in as sierra hole mandolin your, player your mandolinist yeah. you know 
Yeah, totally. And, and it, it, that, that kind of role, I mean, obviously I spend so much time doing my own thing. I don't always get the opportunity to go play on other people's records. Like, like somebody like my husband, for example, who's a wonderful mandolin player and just multi-instrumentalist. And that's what he does. I mean, he plays on people's records every week here in Nashville, you know, and, and goes in and, you know, whatever they need, it could be a country project or it could be something really traditional or some something in the middle. And so for me, it's like, I, I even know from just like seeing how, you know, he always does this. I always go in and try to go, yep, I'm not Sierra Holy Artist. I'm here to serve whatever this record needs. And if whatever, you know, this person wants to, to hopefully get out of this. I mean, there is a certain amount of like, okay, you, you don't invite, you know, a musician that you kind of know their their music a little bit to come play on something and then expect them to play completely different you know I think there's an understanding of kind of like okay well you're kind of here to do what you do and try to do it the best you do but but to take that kind of guidance and with Sturgill it was it was the most chill recording session and like there was absolutely I mean I literally don't think he asked me to do anything um different than just be myself you know and and he wanted everybody to just play the way they would play and it was kind of like hey this isn't going to be the kind of record where we go in and we fix everything you know we're not going to like we're not going to like go in and tweak and tune and fix anything you know the way we do it is the way we're going to do it so of course we would record the songs or or you know do things in some cases four or five times as the band's reading the chart and learning the song on the fly but basically we'd just show up and he'd go okay here's some songs i was thinking and all these songs are songs from his back catalog so they're songs he's he he wrote all of them and they're songs he's already recorded in a different way um but he always says that you know he's kind of always written songs more like a country or bluegrass musician and then the production on the records have kind of sometimes led them different places but the songs at the heart of it have kind of been bluegrass songs to start with you know before you go in and you you make the song whatever they became so so basically the idea was just to kind of record these songs the way they had been written by him to begin with and the bluegrass band was sort of a good representation of what that would be like so yeah i mean you know he'd be like okay how about you play the solo on this one sierra or maybe the banjo takes this one you know but it was all very very team effort and and the way we arranged and kind of went about doing stuff and i i love that because i you know you you play on records that are all different when i'm making my own records i can be very like perfectionistic about stuff or sometimes i'll be like you know um extra hard on myself or think something's you know not good enough in the first take and let me try that again or i can beat that let me do that again you know and it was fun to just go play on a record where i mean i did play um here at home i i overdubbed a couple things like i um added harmony there's a song called what is it called let it go or something like that. I forget what it's called, but where I added uh, a mandolin harmony to the, the solo I played live. But other than that, like all of the solos or kickoffs and stuff for better or worse, <laughs> they are what they are on the record. And so that was fun in a way. It was really fun to just kind of feel like, okay, you're just going into a jam session. Essentially, you know, we're, we're reading the chart and we have a basic arrangement, but it's, you know, 
the spirit of it is very fun and live and rowdy at times. And, and uh, it was really fun to be part of a record like that. Cause I don't, I don't get that experience as much with today's, you know, technology where we can change everything or, or do things multiple times. It was kind of fun for that yeah. to be the vibe from the beginning of like, this is, this is not going to be that. This is just going to be old school. <laughs> Jump in the pond. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it turned out great. It's a, it's a fun listen, you know, there's a lot of good energy floating around on there, which I think sometimes if you play stuff over and over and over again in the studio, you can lose some of that magic. That is what it's like when you play it the first time, you know, so. And your part on Breaker's Roar is one of the highlights of the record. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Well, it was funny. I didn't know I was going to be singing on the record until we got in the studio. I mean, I didn't know what they had in mind, really. I just, you know, knew I was going to play mandolin. And um, yeah, and then they started going, uh, would you want to sing a harmony on this? So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So then I go into the event and they're like, hmm, you think you can sing a high part? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And so then we'd go in and just, you know, on that one, I ended up stacking like three or four different layers of my voice. So so that part was fun. You know, obviously can't do that live. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, add to and add to. But um, but again, very, very quick process. You know, sing it down once. Okay, that's good. All right, now put another one on. Okay, good. Now put another one on. So keeps you on your toes. <laughs> to, to wrap up this week, Sierra, you've been so generous with your time. I, I'm a big believer in putting things out into the universe that you want to see happen. And uh, if you were, who would be like your top three dream collaborators? Oh, well, I tell you the very first one that pops in my head, because I can't help it. And this is probably like everybody's dream collaborator in some ways is Mm -hmm. Dolly. I just, I can't, I can't think of a person that's been more um, inspiring to me, like in, in multi ways, you know, like a whole multitude of, of ways than Dolly. Um. Oh gosh, that's, this is tough. Cause there's, there's several that I could, that I could mention. Um, I'm a big Paul Simon fan. Um, you know, I, it's funny, Sarah Bareilles pops in my head too. Cause she's just somebody that I think is so awesome. And I've just loved her, her albums and haven't really ever had a chance to, to, uh, you know, be around her very much yet. But, um, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's so many. And those are all like singer songwriters. I know they're not even like <laughs> super players. But I can but. totally see all of those actually happening. Mm-hmm. When Sarah Bareilles cuts her well, bluegrass record, who's she going to call? She's going to call Sierra Hall. <laughs> I mean, Adele, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's like also like even people in that kind of magnitude that I think would be amazing to work with just because I'm a fan of their music. But, um, but yeah, those are people that I've just absolutely been inspired by their their albums or their writing you know or just even from a personal standpoint i think mm-hmm. you know i just want to hang out with dolly you know what can i say Who he doesn't, doesn't. <laughs> well thank you so much sierra it's been such a treat to hang with you this week and talk and and we can't wait to uh to see what uh what comes next for you hey thanks for having me on it's been a real joy to talk to you guys mm-hmm.